0: Yeah, uh, I've never liked it, and I still don't like it. Uh, You know what? The linesmen in the NHL are good, and their judgment of simultaneity has always been good, except for in recent years when we've decided that each second can be subdivided into, what, 30 frames, is it? And so we can pour over those frames like the Zapruder film for five or ten minutes and decide, oh, maybe, maybe there's one frame in between here. Where <laughs> we're not sure, but we better take that goal off the board because that was an exciting play, you know, so we better make sure it doesn't count. You know, let's keep the score down, right? These games are getting too exciting for us. Let's take a few minutes off the, cl- off of the real running time, uh, time of day clock, while we figure all this out. And for what? Like, what's it accomplishing? It's just that all it's doing is taking goals off the board. You can never fix an offside call that is made in error where the whistle is blown uh, when the play was onside. All you can do is attack one side of the equation, which takes away offense and, frankly... Uh, The the calls that the linesmen miss compared to the kinds of calls that referees miss on an ongoing basis that can never be reviewed. I just can't make sense of it. it To me, it's just uh, the NHL thinking, well, other leagues have video review. We better have something, too, because they create controversy, and that's good for us. And it actually stinks for the game.
1: It also, the entire offside rule started with the most damnable offside in the history of the time and it's yeah. begat this so as irritated as i was by watching that goal at the yeah. time this well, it has it has begat a biblical proportion
0: got one long call let's yeah. mess up the game for the next 20 years
1: it's true here's the,
0: here's the thing you go back and you look at the review of the Matt shane famous Matt off offside goal and what happens on that play is the d-man fires a long pass It hits a defender in the neutral zone, goes sideways, hits another defender in the neutral zone, and then bounces through to Duchesne, who's like 10 feet offside. I am, without having interviewed the people involved, I am virtually certain that the ruling on the play was that Duchesne was onside because the defenseman put the puck over their own line, which was the wrong call. It was a mistake, but it's not just the mistake of it. He didn't know where the line was. He just thought that because it bounced in off a defender that legalized Duchesne, and then he went and scored. And that's been – just look at that play, and especially the reverse angle. I looked at it again last night because I bring it up every once in a while just to remind myself that I'm not insane. Well, they, the, <laughs> the whole basis of the change was on a wrong call, but the, was, the wrong call was made for an entirely different reason than the play wasn't offside.
1: Well, if you're insane, we're all insane, McCurdy, just so you know. Uh-huh. So so I watched the game last night and for me it feels like the last two games even though the orders are are getting their shot share and their their high danger share it just feels like they're you know there are games you win at the end of a winning streak when you're not you know you're a little bit content and you're getting like bad habits that when they play a structured defense and five man units uh Stuart Skinner's job is so much easier and I feel like they're drifting a little bit and, and I want your opinion on the orders right now. Um, did they deserve to win the last two games? And are you afraid that this is going to come home to roost in the la- next little while?
0: No. Well, uh, I'll, I'll beg to differ with your take on shot share. When you get out shot 26-15 by Chicago, uh, that maybe you're not bringing the offensive game all that much. That said, they did put the puck in the net four times. Uh, albeit only two of them counted. That third period would have been a lot more comfortable at three-one than than two-one. Let's put it that way. Uh, but I thought the Oilers, frankly, played three pretty poor periods last night. And I'll give Chicago credit; they busted their butt for for 60 minutes and and made it. Well, I don't want to even say interesting, because as a game, that was uh, that was uh, that was pretty ugly. Uh, but, you know, they they gave it their best, and the Oilers, they were cheating a little bit. Uh, there's not too many forwards coming back hard. There was a lot of forwards flying the zone. Uh, there You know, there was um, uh, uh, certainly bad habits that have crept in the game, and the hope is that, Having survived that game, just look at the silly grin on Darnell's nurse's face. That's the final buzzer win. He's sort of congratulating his teammates. You can see he knows it. They know what? They got away with one there. And hopefully they'll go into Detroit and say, well, we need to be better because they need to be better.
1: You can scare yourself straight, I think. And we, we know because human nature is that when things are going well, you start to you know think you're maybe invincible a little bit. But I, you know, there, there, was, there was a creep of, of, you know, those wayward passes. Uh, you know, McTavish said one time, you know, everybody thinks he's Gretzky. And, and I just, I feel it, and I, I want to yell it from the rooftops, but, but it, it also feels like they're winning, and, and you know, uh, they have such talent, Bruce. They can win games that, that maybe they, they don't deserve to.
0: Yeah, well, since Christmas, they've played six games. They've scored 24 goals and allowed eight. You know, so I'm thinking they're probably doing something right. And, and yet, you know, the the visual evidence from the last two, the Ottawa game, definitely they deserve to win. They You know, they out-chance, out-shot, out-everything to Ottawa, even as it was not a clean game by any means, but they were the better team. Last night, I'm I'm not sure of that at all. And thankfully, their goalie, uh, Stu Skinner uh, came up with a very strong performance. I thought he should have been the first star. Of yes, the I last. agree.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk to you a little bit, Bruce, about the top two lines, and we know that eventually Evander Kane and maybe even Connor Brown are going to come back on that dry side of line or make their presence felt in the top six. But I, I, I compared the the. Hyman-Nugent-Hopkins line to the old seventy seventy one esposito Esposito-Cashman-Hodge line. And at even strength, the 71 Bruins line is still outscoring this particular line. But they're also um, so strong, I, I just can't see the logic of breaking up the McDavid line. Can you?
0: Well, a McDavid unit, but it's a five-man unit for the most part. And they're just crushing it. They have the puck on their stick all the time. And you know they're generating like seventy percent of the shots, and and uh, uh, it, you know it's and we're seeing more of this in the NHL. We're seeing it in Vancouver right now, where they have their three best forwards playing with their two best defensemen, and they're winning just because they're crushing it in that portion of the game. Uh, to uh, uh, you know they're always you know a couple of goals ahead before you take the rest of the team into account. And so no, I would not. Mess with that strategy for you know for a long time while it's working, and until you know something changes. Either someone gets banged up, or or uh, uh, you know the team has a has a fall of fortunes. So and I will give Knobloch um, credit for one thing: he broke up that line for one game, and it didn't work. And he went right back to yep. it. He didn't nope. sort of say, "Well, now we're <laughs> going to try this new thing for a while, even though it didn't work." He just sort of went, "Nope, I want to have that." in my hip pocket that i'm going to you know play this line for 15 minutes and we're probably going to come out of that chunk of the game up by a goal or even two
1: the uh the next question has sort of been answered but i want to ask it anyway uh the pairing of matthias ekholm and evan bouchard are two three in five on five shots against uh 23.1 for ekholm and bouchard 23.3 shots against for 60 at five on five aside from the the home pass to McDavid which was brilliant last night and we've seen Bouchard so good with the puck on his stick these guys are suppressing offense uh and and it is a part of a five man unit but my goodness is it ever interesting to watch these guys uh at that level among the best really the best pairing in the NHL if you consider both of them at 2 and 3 uh it, oiler fans should be very excited about this pairing
0: uh, yeah, and I think mostly we are uh, excited about this pairing. There, you know, there are some that will split hairs here and there about how it could be even perfecter. Uh, but, its I mean, they could not have mail-ordered uh, from Warner Brothers Acme Company a better partner for Evan Bouchard than the one they brought in from Nashville last spring. That was, that was a brilliant stroke. And uh, he, uh, the arrival of Ekholm and the departure in the same trade of Tyson Barry to open up the power play, that was a, the, the, I would say, singular turning point of Evan Bouchard's career uh, as an Edmonton Oiler to this point, and uh, he, is, uh, he has just been crushing it since.
1: Bruce McCurdy, our guest, Kultifaki at the Edmonton Journal. Is there another move like the Ekholm move out there for the Oilers, and if so, Where would you put your chips if you're going all in and you're moving Broberg in the first and Lord knows what else? Where would you put your... Would it be right defense? Would it be another goalie? Would it be a two-way winger? Or would it be a third, fourth-line center, Bruce?
0: Yeah, that depends on what it is you're planning to do with Ryan McLeod. Whether you're looking for a 3C or a top six winger, it depends on which one you think Ryan McLeod projects to be going forward, which he was looking pretty darn fine to me as a 3C uh, that was starting to score. But since I put him up at, uh, on two left wing, that second line has been going gangbusters as well. And so, but it does leave a weakness in the bottom six at the, at the 3C position. Um, and I'm not sure how much you'd have to trade, frankly, to, uh, to address that. I mean, last year they brought in uh, uh, Nick Duke's dad as, you know, he checked a whole lot of boxes. In terms of, you know, he was huge, uh, aggressive, right shot, could win face offs, play center or wing, which we only saw him at center, could kill penalties, you know, and he did all of those things. And they may target, you know, some kind of, of player like that, 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 uh, that checks off the weaknesses that, uh, Uh, that exists on the current team but doesn't cost an arm and a leg. Uh, Ultimately, you know, I guess you could throw in your chips and try and find a top six winger who's, you know, got a real positive offensive upside and and, uh, uh, move McLeod back to uh, 3C and see how, you know, that's one alternative. Uh, One thing I would conclude is that they don't desperately need a, well, certainly not a number one goalie anymore, like, You know, two months ago, you're looking at the team and you think, well, nobody's stopping any pucks. We got to get not only a goalie, but the goalie. Well, that guy has reemerged right within the team. So uh, there's still, I still have concerns about the backup position. And with the schedule so tough and, you know, 36 games in the last 10 weeks of the season, they're going to need two working goalies throughout that span. But uh, again, I'm not sure that you have to give up Broberg in a first to get a guy to do that. So I'd rather keep Brovert, uh, truth be told.
1: Me t- me too. I, I, I <clears throat> The reason is because we don't know what he is. And, right. uh, you know, he's a Bruce, he's a big Swedish defenseman who can skate, and he was a raw skill when he got here. Mm-hmm. But he's played, and when he plays, like and in the NHL, although he plays sheltered minutes, he's looked good. I just think there's a danger there, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we don't. We still don't know what he is, and I mean, we're at the point now where this is his draft plus five, and his ELC is running out. Uh, but uh, chances are that, in, you know, they, they obviously they still have his negotiating rights, and they're not going to have to pay him. You know, a big, huge, big bridge contract based on what he's accomplished that, thus far. And I'd rather know what they have before. Uh, before giving up on him unless the return is just so great and you know he's part of a part of a package that brings it back. So uh but I I would be reluctant to part ways with uh, with Broberg.
1: Odds that the uh Ken Holland in the final months of his time, uh, we assume, as Auditors General Manager, makes a very loud noise, an echo kind of noise at the deadline. How do you do you think that's a possibility, probability?
0: Uh well certainly possible, but they're <laughs> pretty limited by their circumstances you know there's not much like there's not much they can easily move out that will create the cap space to bring someone on and that you know that is a that's a that's a big limiting factor it's, they don't have a lot of cap space they've only got like one expiring contract of you know a, of a, a mid-level player in Fogel at a mid-level salary 2.75 but all of the big contracts are locked in for uh, at least next year and uh, uh, many of them for several years and and the ones that would be desirable to uh, other teams in the league are the very ones the Oilers would not want to give up on so there's uh there's very very limited uh space uh for them to uh you know, open up not like last year when they moved Barry. Well, they moved out a guy that had four and a half million left for one more year, and they got back a guy with six million left for mm-hmm. three more years. Well, who's the guy with four and a half million left that you're going to move out? Is it Cody C? And still, if there's a difference between him and the guy, like lots of people say, Chris Tanner, well, let's say you could work out a deal there, you're still going to have to find cap room to fit the larger contract uh, on the team, and the, just the the room to um, to stick handle to make that work is very, very tight. So uh, right. they may pursue it, but it's going to be tricky.
1: Bruce McCurdy, Cult of Hockey at the end of the Journal. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you always.